want to welcome you back to our series and make space. Before I dive in, just a quick heads up to you for those of you who like to study ahead and be prepared. In two weeks, we're going to begin our, really our spring focus in the book of Philippians. So if you want to really dive into that, I want to encourage you now to begin just reading through that book. You know, it's just a four-chapter book. We're going to take eight weeks, and I want to tell you that even there, we just begin to scratch the surface. I mean, off the top of my head, Philippians 1.3, I thank my God on my every remembrance of you. A couple verses later, it talks about how our, our God, the thing that He has planned for us, He's working to make it come out. 4.13, right? I, uh, no, nothing's impossible. God is, God is, everything is possible with God, Right? All, all kinds of great verses in Philippians. So I encourage you now to be reading ahead, making your own notes. Why not be a preacher yourself of the Word, sharing what God is teaching you through that book? So I encourage you to be studying ahead. Now, next week, we'll be concluding our Make Space series. And as you heard so unenthusiastically from Jonathan, uh, we'll be having Super Bowl Sunday with chili and soup and celebration and our congregational meeting downstairs. And I was thinking about the Super Bowl itself, the actual football game. There'll be a, finally there'll be a winner determined to who's uh, the best team in the NFL uh, this year. Uh, I was thinking about how that's kind of good for us as we go into our congregational meeting that day, because I want to tell you something. Pathways has been a winner in the past year. God has blessed. I started thinking, Philippines, Brazil. I mean, you think about the doors God has opened. Kenya, Builders for Christ going up to Connecticut. I mean, we just sit people everywhere spreading the good news of the gospel, putting a shoulder to the wheel. We had people sponsor churches, uh, all, all kinds of projects and places. You've seen stuff about kitchens and, and youth ministries and children's stuff. And then our stuff here, my goodness, the, all you got to, every time I drive up now and park, I park right by the playground. And it just puts a smile on my face. This week, I got to watch the kids who were here for the community Bible study. That's always open to, to folks who want to come and study. And their children come, and they study the Bible, but they get a break. And they get to go out and play on the playground. Don't you love? And it was pretty cool Wednesday morning, if you'll remember. It was like 19 when I got up that morning. So I looked out there, and they were all on what we call the spinner. And it was like 13 of them kind of huddled there, kind of kind of riding together while they also warmed each other up, but they couldn't, they couldn't let the opportunity pass to spend that time together. I've already seen families out here. We had one of our guest families last week told me how they went out after church and spent just time watching their kids play and meeting people. And you not only meet people from this congregation, but if you hang out there very long, you catch people who are coming in for the Brazilian service. You catch people who are coming in for the Spanish language service. All great folks. So, boy, God has been good to us this year. All right, into our message for today. We're going to start with a little group activity, a little group poll. I mean, let's face it, it's a presidential election year. There are going to be more polls than you can shake a stick at. Uh, I'm going to give you a little quiz to start the morning. This is easy. This is one where you, you answer by raising your hand. How many people here have ever done something stupid with their money? Raise your hand. Okay. Now, I want you to look around. Now, keep your hand up. Look around. If anybody doesn't have their hand raised, it's for two reasons. One is they're too young to have had money. Or number two, they have not yet heard this, the sermon on telling the truth uh, because… 
We're going to get to that soon. If you haven't heard that one, it's a goodie. Um, you know, it's pretty much everybody, right? We've all made stupid mistakes. Some people make few, some people make a lot, but we all make money mistakes. Nobody's batting a thousand when it comes to money, which makes it funny to me that people are kind of hesitant to fess up. They're a little hesitant to talk about where, the, we like to talk about our wins, but we talk about our goofs up financially. We, we tend to be pretty, our goof ups, not goofs up, goof ups. Uh, we don't like to talk about it. But here's the thing, we can all benefit from sharing and learning from one another. We can all benefit from learning from each other's financial wisdom. Because you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that wisdom about finances, wisdom about anything, is more valuable than anything that actually has intrinsic value. <laughs> now, what do I mean by that? It means it's more important than stuff. Look at this verse, Proverbs 16, 16. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? Now, we all know that gold and silver are valuable. They are tangible. We can touch them. We can see them. We can also see the difference, some of the value between having riches and not having riches. It can be difficult to see the value of wisdom just on its own. After all, you can't say, run down to Target and pick me up a 12-pack of wisdom. You know, you can't do that. Uh, for those of you who are, are bargain shoppers, no BOGO on wisdom. Buy one, get one. It, you know, it's just not, a, it's not available like that. But we're told by the Bible that when it comes to value, wisdom is far better than other types of wealth. Why? Why is wisdom better? Because wisdom is a combination of knowledge and understanding. It's not just knowing something or knowing about something. It's understanding how we can use the knowledge that we have to our benefit. Wisdom is important in all areas of our lives. If we only want to learn, I want to get smart on that. I only want to learn because you can get the info. The question is, can you get wise? Can you take that and apply it wisely? Knowledge and understanding leading to wisdom. That's when we can act in wisdom. When we have the knowledge and we have the understanding, that's what wisdom's all about. For example, think about an important relationship in your life. You meet someone, you get to know them, you get to understand them a little better, how they tick. That allows you to have wisdom in how you relate to that person. Think about how much richer the relationship is because you invested the time and effort to get the knowledge and progress to understanding and to be able to respond with wisdom. That's great with people. It's also great when it comes to finances. It takes time and effort. It takes knowledge and understanding to get us to wisdom. It, 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 if you want to use your resources, your money, your other assets wisely, you're going to need to understand. You need to learn some information. You got to understand the benefits. You got to figure out how to apply it all. Wisdom is far more than just having some riches. As we talked about before, you can, you can lose that in a hurry. 
But if you have wisdom, you can learn to minimize losses, maximize gains, make your expenditures count for what you want them to count for. They'll help you to leverage those opportunities, financial and otherwise, your time and your talents and your treasure in your life. It will help you to make that really fully express itself so that you're in control of those things rather than your finances being in control of you. Now, it's always interesting to me, there are people, the minute you start talking about finances, money, oh, wow, well, you know, I, I think I'll just, I'll, 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 I'll cut this video now, I'll come back next week when the pastor's talking about a spiritual topic. Let's get real clear on this, folks. There are few topics, very few, about which the Bible speaks more than the topic of money, how we use what God has entrusted to us about stewardship about investment, about what makes life really worthwhile. So if you think the answer to the verse where it warns and says money is, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So you say, okay, that's good. I'm just going to avoid money. How's that working out for you? Yeah, that's pretty tough. Uh, That's not the solution. The solution is to get wise and to make sure that we're in control of money instead of money in control of us. When we look at the Scriptures, we see that God does not ignore money. It's the opposite. God talks about it a lot. So I believe here's what we're saying. God does not want you to ignore money. And in my calling here, that's not my call. No, just tiptoe around it, never talk. No, that's not it at all. He wants us to understand it. Matter of fact, there's a very well-known verse. Maybe you've never thought about it in regards to money, but from Romans 12, right? We talk about being transformed and not conforming to the world. Listen to this version from NLT. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be conformed to the way this world thinks, right? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We sometimes call this the renewing of our minds, and I want you to be very, very clear with me. That includes learning, understanding, and gaining wisdom about what to do with the resources that God has entrusted to us. When we learn to do that, not being conformed to the world's ways of money, but being transformed to think about God and His will and His plan and His direction with our resources, that's what's really going to help us in making space in our minds, making wiser choices in our lives and in our finances. See, we sang earlier, I love you, I love you, I love you. And it goes back to what Jesus said was the greatest commandment. You've got to learn to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we've talked about making room for God in our minds, and we've talked about making space for God in our hearts. Today, I want us to talk about making space for God by using our strength. And our strength needs to be invested in some wisdom, in some ways that we can move forward with God's plan. Now, whenever you want God's wisdom about anything, but especially about money, a good place to start is the book of Proverbs. So to love God with all of our strength includes being wise with the resources, the money that God has entrusted to us. So here's today three quick steps for you. If, you, if you're a person who says, I want to get a handle on this part of my life, here are three things to do. The first one won't surprise you. It's this, make a plan. Have a plan. There are a 
lot of reasons why people use resources unwisely. There are a lot of reasons why people spend unwisely. One of them we talked about a lot last week, it's the impulse to spend when we don't need something, but we've convinced ourselves that we do. We confuse what we need and, and, and what we just want. That can be a hard habit to break. Understanding what those differences are and learning the secret of contentment is what we focused on last week. If you need to see that message, it's online. You can go back and access that because contentment is the key to putting yourself in a heart position to now be able to address your strength position. So this week we're going to move from that contentment conversation to about being wise with our money, being strong with it, and we got to start by controlling where our money is going, and that requires a plan. Listen to this verse, Proverbs 21.5, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. See, this is so important. We grow up thinking hard work leads to prosperity. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's not it. (laughs) Because you know what? There are a lot of people who work hard who do not enjoy material prosperity. It takes good planning along with that. It takes wisdom. It takes some strategy. Hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. So the first biblical idea we're looking at today is making a plan, getting a plan. Don't ignore your finances. Don't put your, don't put your head in the sand. You need a pathway. You need a roadmap. You need a plan. Now, it's funny, when you start talking about financial plan, man, people start to get nervous. They think you're going to want a detailed budget down to the penny. Give me an expense report, says your spouse as you walk in the door. No, 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 no. That's not what I'm after. That's not what I'm after. Pop quizzes. No, 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 no. That's not it. But planning matters. Let's talk about why. And I'm going, to a- I'm going to answer why by asking you a question. You ready for another group participation? This one's not going to be a raise hand. This is going to be engage your brain. Maybe you want to make a note on your note page because it can be more private. Here's the question. Are you ready to be honest? Because if you're not, this, this, is going, this, is, this is pointless. Okay? What's one thing you have always dreamed about in your life or for your life, but you have not yet accomplished? What's one dream you have that you have not yet accomplished? Just think about that. Maybe you want to jot that down. Maybe you just want to remind yourself, well, I hadn't thought about that in a while. Maybe you want to jot that down. It could be very personal to you. It may be something to do with your family. It may have to do with a call that you think God has placed on your life. You got it? What's that one thing? Picture it in your mind for a minute. What's that look like? Picture your dream. Now comes the really hard part, which is question two. What is stopping you from that dream? What's holding you back? What do you need in order to make that dream a reality? And the reason I'm raising those two questions at this point is because here's the truth of the matter. For many of us, whether it should or shouldn't be the key thing, we allow money to be the block to the dreams that we hold in our hearts. 
we say to ourselves stuff like this. Self, when I have more money, I'll be able to see that place I've always dreamed of. When I have more money, I'll be able to go along on one of those mission trips to the Philippines or Brazil or to Connecticut or Florida, wherever we're going that year. When I have more money, I'm going to write that book or that article or I'm going to pursue that educational opportunity that I want to learn, that seminar I want to go to, that camp I want to invest in, whatever it might be. What is it that's stopping you from doing it? Too often we let money be the thing. And hear me carefully on this. Money will never be the answer to all our problems. But you don't want to let money, and in particular, you don't want to let the simple fact that you did not make a plan be the barrier to you pursuing your dream. That's what we call a self-inflicted wound. Those are the regrets you take with you that begin to eat at your soul. And we're here to say God wants your soul to be set free. Learn to make a plan. At Pathways, we want to be about a life together that includes turning dreams into goals and goals into realities. And we want to help you do the same thing in your personal life as we walk together, as we encourage each other to become wise with what God has, has given to us and called us to be. Because listen, folks, we have faith, and faith means God gives you dreams for a reason. He has something He wants you to do. And and just like you got to steward your time and your talents and your treasures, one of your treasures ought to be your dreams. And you should steward that well. Make a plan. Now, let me, let me give up a warning here because I've, I've been pastoring now for about 30 years, and I've heard a lot of crazy stuff when people tell me what they're dreaming about. Not every dream we have is a dream God gave us. You need to think about your dreams. You need to reflect on them, your, those desires. You need to pray about them, and you need to make sure they are in alignment with what the Word of God teaches. But when you do that, here's what Proverbs 16 says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed because you are being guided, shaped, formed, directed by God and not just your stuff. Not just your wants, but you're making God's wants your wants. And then you commit those actions to the Lord, and God opens doors. We said from the very first message in this series that the real big issue in stewardship of our lives and our resources is that we need to trust God. Well, that's what we've got to do with our dreams. Commit your dreams to Him. He will guide you. And you don't just sit back then and say, okay, I've told God my dream, now it's His job to make my dream a reality. Well, it's interesting, this shouldn't surprise you, the book of Proverbs has some things to say about that as well. Here's what it says in 16 verse 9, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. So you see, the planning thing is, is not a simplistic, it's, it's, it involves Reflection, prayer, Bible study, 
direction, conversation with the body of Christ. Walk in that spirit, and you will get encouragement for your dreams. You can make all kinds of plans, but you want the Lord to determine your steps. That's really what's going to happen. So there's this balance I'm trying to bring to your attention. Commit your dreams to God, but then listen to what God is saying to you, to where God is calling you. Because frankly, if all your dreams are about you, 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 and not about who you are going to serve and the difference you are going to make and the love you are going to share, you're going to discover, yeah, you can make those plans, but the Lord is going to direct your steps. And sometimes the directing of the steps is to show us how bad that dream was and you do not want to go there. I've been there, done that. So let's get our plans and dreams walking in accordance with what God has. That takes wisdom, all right? Now, here's the good news. You're here today. No matter what your economic status, economic status, where you got a little bit or a lot, we can all become better managers of the resources God has given. And to do that, you don't have to have a highly complex spreadsheet. You don't have to have a, a big detailed budget. But you do need to understand where your money is coming from and where it is going to. And I want to talk a little about where it's going to. And, you know, I, I've seen, and, and we'll gladly provide you. If you want to sign up for the Dave Ramsey course, you want to come and borrow a book or two on, on stewardship, you can get budgets that lay out 10, 15, 20, 30 categories of spending. Get it as detailed as you need it to be. But I'm going to make it easy. I'm going to break it down into two. The first one is this. When you talk about your money that goes out, you got two categories. The first is committed money that's already committed to go somewhere. It's before you even get it, you know it's going back out. You know what a mortgage is? A rent payment? Those monies are committed. Even your subscriptions that you sign up for, your utilities, it may even include, should include, your commitment to giving to God. So you've got your 10% here, you've got this here, you've got that there, you've got money going everywhere, but that's committed before you ever see your money. That's the first category. For some people, that takes up a vast majority of what they earn. For others, there's a small segment. Some, for some, there's a big segment left over, and that's what we call the spendable money. Or discretionary is the term that people like to use when they're sounding very smart. You can use your discretion in choosing what the money gets spent for. That's, you know, like it was the first three years of my marriage when my wife would say, here's a 20, enjoy your week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We did use the cash envelope system and she did distribute the money. That is how it worked. But it was a plan. We had a, we had a plan. We worked the plan. We knew there was money that was committed, and we couldn't spend money going to dinner if that was the rent money. You couldn't spend money going to the movies if that was the grocery money, right? So you have the money that's committed, and you have, and you might say, well, I, I, I that sounds to pastor, I, I don't know, it sounds to me like an allowance. Well done, well done. You might think, that's just for kids. Oh, 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 no. No, I'll say this, if you don't live on an allowance, you're probably wasting a lot of money yourself. Because when you don't control the amount that's just kind of running out of your wallet, it will just go and go and go. As Dave Ramsey says, you know, if you don't tell your money where to go, somebody else will. And so you have to have a plan, you got to know what's committed and what's, what's spendable. 
And, and see, here's how this helps you. This is not just information. This releases you. It clears away a lot of the fear. Have you ever, because I have, you ever stood in a grocery line while they're beep, 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 and you're thinking, oh, I hope I got enough, hope I got enough, hope I got enough. You know, and today you've got the phone, your phone, you can check your account balance. I mean, boom. And you know, it's a heart attack when you're having to check your checking balance, your account balance right there for your debit. Okay, yeah, uh, run that can of beans through. Oh, 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 hold off on the watermelon. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's stressful. That, that it creates anxiety. You know, isn't it better not to be doing math in the checkout line? I mean, you have a plan. You have a strategy. You have the money. You, you know that the bill for the rent's been paid. You know that things have been handled. You know how much you've got for your gas before another payday comes. And you get that stress out of the way because you understand what's committed and what's spendable. And what happens is there's more clarity clarity around what our true financial condition is, and that's important. Always understanding where you are is the beginning point. Now, let's just own this, right? Maybe what's left in your spendable portion is not as big as you would like for it to be. The great thing about that is, you see, God can work with that because that can lead us to really think, I've only got this little bit that I really get to choose about. I'm going to be very determined about that. I'm actually going to pray about that because I want to make it count. It's not much, but I'm going to make it count. And if you think that's not biblical, you don't know the story about the lady and the coin. Go back, look it up. Okay. Jesus said, gave more than everybody else. Wow. Powerful stuff. You can do a lot with a little. Maybe if you're a person who has a big number there, and you think, wow, I'm so glad I don't have to sweat the details. I don't have to sweat the small stuff. Maybe not. But what a wonderful opportunity you have to seek God's will for you on what he wants you to do with that. Man, there's so many great opportunities to bless and to make a difference and to be a part of what God is doing. Wow, it's great stuff. So when you build a plan, make a plan, intentionality, purpose, get things down couple categories to manage, folks. It's not that much. You can use all that auto pay stuff and that makes stuff easy to manage. So our first step is having a plan, knowing where our money should go. Here's the next hint. Number two, save for tomorrow. Save for tomorrow. Proverbs 21, the wise man or woman saves for the future, but the foolish one spends whatever he or she gets. You have to save for the future. Now, again, you've, you've heard all the stats. We quote them from time to time up here. You'll see them in video things. You read them in the newspaper. Americans are not particularly strong on saving. According to a recent article in Forbes, 63% of Americans said, in the survey they did, they said they didn't have enough cash savings on hand to cover a $500 emergency. Now, I'm sure there are plenty of others they didn't ask. I'm sure many people in here have that. But it raises the point of, do you have an emergency savings fund? Are you prepared? Have you done what the Bible says? The wise person saves for the future. Have you set some aside? Because when when they ask people, why don't you save? You know what the answer is? You got to love this. Saving is hard. Well, that can be true. There are a lot of hard things that got to be done, right? 
Why is it that savings is hard? Well, here's the hardest group. For some people, saving is hard because what they've got coming in is tight. I mean, that's hard. And when you find yourself in that situation, it can be very easy to feel like there's no way to change it. There's no way to improve things. It's important to remember that when Jesus told the story of the people who had stuff entrusted to them, that he began with the person who had just, just one talent, the smallest amount of money entrusted to them. Whatever you've got, God wants you to manage it well. You don't have to have what the person who has the most has, but you've got to manage well what you've got. And a lot of people in that situation, they say, well, but I don't know where to start with that. Ah, okay, that brings us back to our introduction to today's message, right? We start with knowledge, we add understanding, and we achieve wisdom upon which we can make actions to decide. So if we don't know how, we need to learn some about saving. We need to learn some about understanding how to save. Well, one great way to save is to set it aside before you spend it. That's, that's one of the first rules of saving, right? To understand what has to go out, what's left. Knowledge. Knowledge provides understanding, which gets us to wisdom. And to get there, folks, we have to start by admitting as well what we don't know. So make learning, listen to this, every responsible follower of Christ should make learning about and understanding finances a part of their life journey. For some, it will be a big part. They'll have a predilection to it. They'll love it. But everybody's got to understand the basics of how to deal with that. So grow in your understanding so you can grow, uh, grow in your knowledge so you can grow in your understanding and get your wisdom. Even if you say, oh, I'm not really into numbers, I'm not, make learning about finances a priority using reputable sources. Now, growing in wisdom about money means that as you're, as you're working with it, you're saving it, you're saying, see, when you save money, here's what you're saying. I'm thinking about the future. I understand that there's a tomorrow coming. I don't know everything that the future might hold. I know I need to prepare. A wise person saves for the future. Proverbs is simple as that. It's clear. You have money in reserve for unforeseen problems. You have money in reserve for unforeseen opportunities and blessings. So make a plan, save for tomorrow, be wise, and save. There are a lot of bad financial decisions we make when we are thinking only about the short term. That's why the Bible says, think about tomorrow, save for tomorrow. We need to ask ourselves some questions. What do I want to see? What do I want to be able to do with this in one year, in three years, in five years, in 10 years? Right? Because that's the only way to bring wisdom to bear on the knowledge that we're gaining getting a plan, thinking about tomorrow. Short term doesn't always do it. A savings plan is important. And can I just touch on one more topic here? Savings always begins by dealing with debt. And I just want to say my heart goes out to every university student in America because the cost of education today is crazy. And it worries me because the Bible says the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is the slave of the lender. 
says, this, I'm, I'm very distraught about student debt. I'm worried about our young people. And so I want you to learn how to manage your debt, how to manage your money, avoid going into debt as much as possible, and have a plan for dealing with it because that is all a part of saving for tomorrow, finding some freedom. That's the freedom comes. Does slavery and freedom go together? No. If you're in slavery to debt, to the lender, you're not experiencing freedom. What we're talking about in making space is making some room for God to work by having financial freedom in our lives for the things God wants us to invest our lives and our resources in. Okay, so we've talked about a couple of pieces, getting a plan. We've talked about planning for tomorrow. Let's talk about the big one, giving to God, number three, our big emphasis for today. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. I love this passage. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. I told you, Faith, that I was going to preach on what you sang about. So there you go. Everything. God of everything. Everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. Now, I don't know how many of you have wine vats. But if you do, I'd like for us to become better acquainted. So see me after church. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) For those of you who are guests today, I am a teetotaler, so that is all in good humor. This passage is obviously about far more than grain and barns and wine and vats. It's about talking about how blessings come our way when we put God first in every area of our lives. How do we act on that? What do we actually need to do? Well, the Bible says we're to honor Him in a way that makes sense, giving all that He's done for us, and we start that by giving Him our first and our best in everything, including our finances. We honor by giving Him our best with your wealth and the best part of everything you produce. How clear is that? Not the leftovers, not an afterthought, not seconds, not after everything else is done, not after we grab yet one more expensive cup of coffee at Starbucks or someplace else, or the latest release of this or that thing, or the latest gizmo on Amazon. First, first, give to God. Honor Him by giving to Him. We honor God by giving to Him before we give to any other area of our lives. That's a key to financial wisdom. First fruits is a way that the Bible sometimes uses a language that people, I'm not sure I understand what first fruits is. I don't grow any fruit. It's talking about the fruit of what we have, the fruit of what we produce, giving first to God. Now, you might be asking yourself, because it sounds like a very intelligent question, how can giving away anything be a part of a good financial strategy. Because the human mind says, more, more, more. But for those who know God, who want to love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, who know the Word of God, what we know is that God owns everything. God is the one who gives to us. So when we remember that we are but stewards, we are those who use and manage the resources that God has given to us, 
That's wisdom, folks. That takes the stress out of your lives, but it does also give you the sense of clarity and responsibility for who we will answer to. It gives you that clarity. And giving also gives you that sense of well-being, which lasts longer than the thrill of purchasing something that no sooner than you get in the car and you're thinking, eh, I'm not so sure about that thing. It helps us to remember that our life is about far more than the possessions we've been able to put together. We are able to have a plan to save for tomorrow and give to God and make a difference by investing in what really matters. So I conclude by reminding you this. This biblical wisdom, that's what we're talking about today. It's the, this is not my spiel. This didn't come from a Morgan Stanley mail-out. It didn't come from Schwab or anybody else. TIAA craft. I guess I better say Vanguard, uh, Janus, I mean, whoever I need to keep it all equal. I don't want people up here saying that you ignored us. Oh, we're in, we're in Maryland. T. Rowe Price. Yeah, get, get them out there. Here's the fact. The Bible is where it teaches that making a plan, saving for tomorrow, giving God first, that's what puts you in wisdom. That's the wisdom of having a healthy cycle of dealing with resources. It's, it's a healthy way of dealing with our minds, our possessions, our money, our time, our talents, our treasure. And this last one, of course, giving in particular, but I think all of it, but giving in particular, it's all about trusting God. Oddly enough, when it comes to your money, it's always about trust. How are you going to demonstrate your trust? Who are you going to trust in? Are you going to trust your wisdom or God's wisdom? Are you going to trust God's ability to bless you, or are you going to trust in your own plans and schemes to provide for yourself? Are you going to trust your abilities or God's supernatural capabilities? My prayer for you, my hope for you, my hope for us, we choose to trust God in all things, including our time, our talents, our treasure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all of the provision you have made for us. We are grateful that you do not want us to be ignorant, so you have provided wisdom when it comes to our finances and to our decisions about our time and our lives. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with all who seek it. As your word promises, you give generously that wisdom. So we thank you for that. And we want you to not only give us wisdom, but bless us in all things as we follow you, including our finances. Individually, as a church family, we want to be wise with all the resources you have given to us. Help us to use what you have entrusted us. Help us to steward our wealth wisely and to walk in your blessing. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus who has provided a way for us in life. We pray this in his name. Amen. Amen.